Well, Movember has begun, complete with a deluge, an extra hour, and a criminal investigation into one of the top CBC broadcasters who allegedly has sexually harassed, abused, and physically harmed in what appears to be countless number, a countless number of women over a protracted period of time. What a start. Welcome to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show, the show where we educate men and women about sexual health, how it relates to overall health, making relationships the best they can be. Tonight, I'm talking privacy, LinkedIn, fetishes, medical marijuana, and orgasms with a number of great guests. So if you have any questions or comments at all, give me a call, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. You can always email me at sextalk at cknw.com. I love to hear from you. Also, if you have a little special message for a special lover or somebody you might be having an issue with that you want to uh, send your apologies or whatever, uh, certainly give me a call and I'll be sure to deliver that message to them. 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. Gian Gameshi was let go from the CBC after they received evidence from him to show he was engaging in consensual BDSM. The CBC thought otherwise, especially when they allegedly saw evidence of physical harm in the videos he pro- allegedly provided. He said it was consensual. No one legally may consent to physical harm. He then put out, as uh, as any good narcissist would, a Facebook letter that pulled on our heartstrings, even mine, but that's not difficult, about the death of his beautiful father and a jilted lover. It was a great story, but that's all it was. It was a story, apparently, or allegedly. The Toronto Star then published an article chronicling in anonymity the cases of three women who had been allegedly abused by the Golden Boy at the CBC. More women spoke publicly, most notably Lucy de Couture, an actress alleging the same abusive behavior by the fallen star. A criminal investigation has been commenced. There are so many issues here, one of which is privacy. And to help me sort out some of the privacy and confidentiality issues, lawyer Sarah Levine of Alliance Lec Corp. is on the line. Sarah practices both privacy law and freedom of information law in Vancouver. She has authored a number of publications and speaks frequently on privacy issues. Hello, Sarah. Hi, Maureen. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I'm well, thanks. Thank you so much for joining me. Now, the situation around Gian Gameshi raises the issue of how far we can go in the bedroom without fear of reprisals later on from a former lover or an employer. So how do we explore our sexuality in this day and age, and especially with social media, without fear of it coming back to ruin our lives later on? Well, of course, that's always a question when you're in any kind of relationship that involves any level of trust, you put your confidence in the other person and you, you know, you have to hope that that person will live up to that confidence. And it's the same in a personal relationship. Uh, privacy is certainly part of that relationship. Uh, and it, 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 you know, it starts, it starts with trust. And, uh, uh, so every person has to make that assessment for themselves when they are deciding whether or not to engage in behavior that they might not want 
the world to know. And, and trust is really the foundation of any healthy relationship or any relationship, but, but, but often trust falls away, and, and we see that quite frequently in relationships. Are there any laws to protect people? What are the privacy laws in Canada that can protect well, people against this sort of thing? The privacy, privacy laws in Canada kind of fall into two big buckets. There's, there's the privacy laws that we hear a lot about when we're talking about governments and businesses, and those have to do with what those organizations can do with personal information. Um, so, so if somebody's are, behavior isn't becoming for that organization, that organization can then let that person go. Is that what well, you're that saying? Well, that may be, that's a workplace employment issue as well. But how the organization is allowed to use information is one category of privacy law. How individuals are allowed to use information about people they know that they're in any kind of relationship with is, is a privacy and confidentiality issue. Now, in Canada, we have the ability to sue people if they breach our privacy or if they breach our confidence. Uh, and there's a way that there are certain tests that you have to meet to establish that the person owed you a duty of confidence to keep your information confidential and that they breached that duty. Um, and there are, uh, there's a content to the idea of a right to privacy between individuals, which is a little different than the right to privacy that you have in relation to the government or, you know, in relation to a business like TELUS or you know, BC Hydro or, or uh, you know, your local grocery store. Okay, um, so, so, but how about uh, the that confidentiality? Say two people are having an affair, and one of them uh, is a high-profile person, for example, maybe a politician or a CEO of a large organization, um, and somebody gets jilted, as is what Gian Gameshi, Gameshi uh, wanted us to believe about a week ago, <laughs> and they come back to... Uh, and, and disclose personal information about somebody. Who... Well, you do have a right to sue them for breach of confidence. If you can show that you shared information with them in confidence and the other person knew it was confidential and that it was shared for a specific purpose um, and the person used that information for another purpose, you can sue them and, you know, you might win if you're able to show all those things. So you have to establish the person owed you a duty of confidence, and you do that by talking about the circumstances. So privacy and confidentiality arise out of circumstances of trust. They look at the totality of the circumstances and the nature of the relationship, and the courts will decide whether this, this notion of a duty of confidence arose in the circumstances. And... They look at the conversations, evidence of the nature of the relationship, and they say, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah this, the duty of confidence arose here. These people were people who trusted each other. They understood that this was not something that was to be shared with the world. And one of the, one of the people actually shared it with the world, which was in breach of that, that understanding. Right. And that, that's why people, that may be why people don't come forward as well, is because then uh, not only has the confidentiality been breached and the trust been broken, but then it's likely that their entire lives or their history or their sex lives is going to be, you know, especially if it's a high-profile person, is going to splash all over the front page of Facebook <laughs> or of the Globe and Mail or, or uh, one of the other uh, newspapers. Well, Maureen, let me be clear. When we're talking about a relationship of trust, that's the foundation. That's the, the absolute basis of the relationship. And if a person is committing a crime, 
there is no relationship of trust. Mm-hmm. So the duty of confidence wouldn't exist. So, you but know, a fa- but an affair, an extramarital affair is not necessarily a crime. Oh, no. An no, extramarital no. affair is, yeah. is not a crime. No. Um, but, but if somebody was having an affair, yes, if some. Crime. If someone were having an affair and someone told someone else about the affair and, and that person were in a high-profile situation, they they may not necessarily want to come forward and put all their information out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if, if you're talking about a person who's a high-profile politician and somebody, you know, has, has a relationship and the person stepped up to the microphone and said, I had an affair with so-and-so politician and these are the things that happened in the affair, that is a breach of confidence, but... Presumably, that politician would not want to reveal any additional information that would come to light in the course of a, a legal proceeding. Right. Because when you open up those doors in a in a civil suit, evidence has to get led in in open court. Absolutely, absolutely. It's 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 very complex. And and as you are, I know you're very up, much up to speed on the Gian Gameshi situation. That's a complex situation as well. And and applying the um, the laws as they are uh, is not all that easy either, because it you know it's all about the wording and uh, negotiation. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah, and ap- I mean those are allegations. I don't want to get too much into it because I you know those are live issues. But certainly those are allegations of criminal. And and we have to remember that he is uh, innocent until proven guilty. I think people think we're siding with him when we make a statement like that. But that's a democracy, and that's how it works in this country. The justice system works in this country. That's absolutely right. And it's absolutely important to remember that, you know, it's not up to us here on the radio or anybody in the newspapers to uh, reach any conclusions. Exactly. About that, those allegations. Absolutely. Those allegations have to be tested in a court, uh, and a judge and, you know, potentially a jury will make decisions if that ever comes to it, if, if that ever happens. But in the meantime, um, it's for the rest of us to just, just wait and see the outcome. I understand there's a police investigation ongoing, and that will lead to whatever conclusions it leads to. Exactly. Well, Sarah Levine of Alliance Lex Corp, thank you so much for helping us sort this out, this privacy issue, and I'll have you back. We'll talk further about this because I'm certain there's going to be other issues that arise out of this. Well, thanks very much, Maureen. Oh, you're very welcome. Uh, Coming up next, are you on LinkedIn? You think of it as a professional website, don't you? A place to find a job, post a position perhaps, not that kind of position. Think again. When I return, I'm going to talk with Crystal Walter, a matchmaker, and Dave of Dave.ca about why LinkedIn has become a dating hotspot for career-minded singles and the pros and pitfalls of LinkedIn as a dating site. I am Maureen McGrath, and you are listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. I love that song. It is so corny. (laughs) Welcome back. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show on this rainy night, rainy evening in Vancouver. If you're driving, drive safely. Uh, I want to thank Kenji McNabb, the tech producer behind the helm tonight on a stormy night. And he's doing a great job as always. 
So we're talking about, uh, well, this show we talk about everything, our, our sex lives, except for mine, um, and uh, and uh, all the different ways that uh, this plays out and uh, dating sites and uh, sites that aren't actually meant to be dating sites, like LinkedIn, for example. LinkedIn is a professional website. You go there to network, perhaps, and sign up, and everybody wants to invite you and to connect with you on LinkedIn, whether they know you or not. They can be from all over the world. Um, anyway, and lots of people have some trouble on LinkedIn. We talked about it a little while uh, ago with uh, a guest who has returned tonight, Dave, of Dave.ca. And Dave is on the line. Hello, Dave. Hi, Maureen. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. How are you doing? Doing really well, but you're right. It actually is really stormy out there. I just came off the road myself. Is it? It's just a great night for lovers to be by the fire. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I have my bedroom voice tonight. It doesn't usually last after 10 o'clock in the morning, but anyway, for some reason, it stayed deep all day. Um, anyway, it must be the weather change. Uh, and also, Crystal Walter joins me on the line. Hello, Crystal. Hi. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? Oh, great. I'm great, thanks. And Crystal, you are a matchmaker, is that correct? Yes, I am. All right. And so you've noticed um, that LinkedIn has uh, become a little bit more like a dating site than, uh, or it can be utilized as a dating site. And you're going to talk a little bit about that. And Dave is going to tell me about some of the pitfalls um, that are associated with it. So uh, tell me what you've seen around LinkedIn. Uh, well, I definitely think um, that LinkedIn is used, I guess I should say, to creep potential, um, you know, dates or partners. Because um, you can see their work history, you can see their education background, you can see, um, you know, who they have, who they're connected with, if it's somebody that you know. So you can definitely find out a lot of information from somebody's LinkedIn profile. And being that it is LinkedIn and it is considered to be a professional site, you are assuming that everything that's on there, you know, is backed up. Like, it's credible. True enough. True enough. It's not always who is on LinkedIn. The the profiles can be made up, in other words. Well, on on, um, dating sites, they 100% can be. But if it's linked to a business and to your job, you would assume that they're being truthful, right? Right. you, You go to LinkedIn you know, hoping that that information is correct. Exactly. So, Dave, um, you go to uh, LinkedIn and uh, somebody has sought you out, has gone fishing, as as you taught me uh, a couple of weeks ago, and they go fishing for any one of a number of potential uh, men or women uh, looking for somebody. And and one key piece of information may be missing, and that is the relationship status of a person on LinkedIn. Well, that's what's so unique about social networking sites is that they appeal to different parts of our psyche. So Facebook is really very much the personal side of our psyche, you know, what we're doing, what what great family lives we might have, et cetera, whereas LinkedIn focuses very much on the professional. So it's it's basically your, your, your resume on steroids. Uh, so typically, <laughs> it, it, it pretty much is. So I'd agree with Cheryl that the, the information on LinkedIn is – Probably fairly truthful, um, but it doesn't uh, it doesn't preclude someone from maybe exaggerating a little bit. But it can be used as you're as, as you're saying as a dating site, and this would be a little different if you're looking to be a, a uh, anything from a gold digger to you know you know making your way up the ladder or trying to verify. Um, you know the uh, the uh, education or the 
the uh, the salary, if you will, or at least the general idea of the salary of, of people. So you're not going to find it like Tinder, which we talked about last time I was on the program, where you can really just be outrageous on there. Whereas LinkedIn, you're going to pretty much want to be fairly truthful, and that's where you can really probably find uh, uh, if you're really looking for someone. I guess if you're going to use it as a dating site, you can really probably find a and, lot more truth on there. And the thing about LinkedIn is, you you know, you you show your profile, which is never accurate. Your profile photo, which is never accurate, and the big safety issue around that is that you know if anyone goes missing, the only fo- photos we're going to have of these people to look for them is their profile photos on social media, and they're unrecognizable pretty much. Everyone puts the best photo forward. Um, but uh, Crystal, uh, when on LinkedIn, when somebody appeals to you on a dating site, they may say, you know, oh, you you look nice. I like your picture. You look, I'm you're pretty or you're handsome. You look, I'm attracted to you. Blah blah blah. But on LinkedIn. Um, they may appeal to your brains, you know, especially women. We might say, oh, actually, he likes he likes how smart I am or he likes how successful I've been or, you know, it's not just yeah. about how I look. It's about how I think as well. And that can be a risk for women. Um, yeah, but I mean, it's, it can be a risk for anyone either way. So you just have to ask the right questions and go about it the right way um, and be smart about it. And, there shouldn't be that risk. Do you think that LinkedIn should be used as a dating site? Is that what you're saying? You know what? I think I do think it should be. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't. But anyway, <laughs> I actually think it's a professional site, and I think that you know, yeah, if if it's going to be switched, not as much as it used to be. If like, it's going to if it's going to be switched to a dating site, I think people need to mention their relationship status, not these, because you'll get a lot of men. And I see a lot of females in my practice, and this has happened to a number of people. Um, and I have a little prince, private investigator in me as well. Um, but these men are looking for a multitude of women, and whoever bites is who they're going to take, um, in large part because they may be not getting enough sex at home, or they may not be getting the kind of sex they want. We're going to talk about fetishes later. And, and I think it's unfair to actually... Um, you know, to lure women in or men in, for example, uh, pretending that it's a business um, when it's actually wanting to have sex. Well, I think LinkedIn would argue that that they're not trying to lure people in. They're not trying to be a matchmaking or a dating site. They truly are being professional. But the the genetics or the DNA in all of us humans make us always want to seek out you know, a sexual relationship, perhaps. So we yeah. will use whatever's at, at hand. So I think LinkedIn would argue, no, no, we're, we're a professional site. Just because people want to kind of change it over to that way, that's that's what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, but it, to put up the, the your relationship status or or your kids or whatnot, I think on LinkedIn would be distracting. That said, because that piece of information is missing. It, it, and if you're trying to use it to uh, to, to extend your love life, uh, it, it might be problematic on that side. But if you're trying to extend your business relationships, it's probably going to be more useful to you. Uh, LinkedIn would be a better tool for that. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think that I don't think that LinkedIn should be a dating site. I think it's good. It's a good way to go about researching people who you might be interested in. But there is an app called Be Link that uses your LinkedIn profile. Yeah, it's similar to Tinder. So it, it's called Be Linked. Yeah, yeah. I go that route for the dating, but as far as LinkedIn itself goes, there's there's no reason why you can't be starting a conversation. You don't have to go right to sex and right to dating. They do, they do. Believe me, I'm. (laughs) You know, we're running out of time. We're running out of time. 
Sorry, we're running out of time. I appreciate both of you coming on. Krista Walter, uh, matchmating and dating coach expert, and also Dave of Dave.ca. Always great information around social media to help warn people out there of people who may not be being as honest as they possibly can. I happen to call LinkedIn Kinkton for some uh, of the experiences that I've heard. Anyway, we'll have you both back. We'll talk further about this because social media is not going away. In fact, it's getting more and more and more a part of our lives. I'm Maureen McGrath. When I come back, what's the best birthday gift you can give to men and or women? And I had a hard time looking for this, but I found it. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Taking you from crayons to perfume. I love that song. That was a great movie to start with love. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show here. Uh, we're talking about sex. Later on, I'm going to get to fetishes and orgasms. And what does medical marijuana have to do with all that? Anyway, uh, right now, though, I, uh, you know, sometimes going to a birthday party can be pretty darn stressful. And uh, that happened for me yesterday. Aside from the cost these days to these days to attend between the wine you, you bring because you've been raised well and um, taught about etiquette. And uh, some people like red, some like wine. You have to bring a decent bottle. The appy, the cabs, the gifts, the gift for the hostess, the birthday gift. Anyway, uh, the, the appy caused me a lot of stress. <laughs> Number one, the appetizer. And um, can I just bring foreplay is what I said? Uh, anyway, I find myself in uh, Safeway and just like, what am I going to get? I have 10 minutes and um, I, fi- I come upon these phyllo tarts and I think, oh, those are good. What can I stick in those tarts? And nothing. I- I've got nothing because everything is going to take time and I have no time. And so then I think I- if I stuck an olive in those tarts, that would be a really bad appy. And you always see these little appies that you... In magazines, and they take like less than three minute at B, and you think, I'm going to remember that. That's easy, and I can do that. But you can't. You can never remember it. And so, anyway, you don't want to bring the big tray of pate and cheese and grapes again with Leslie Stowe crackers that it costs about $12 a, a sleeve. Anyway, um, but I end up doing that. And so, after I did that, I came up with uh, I think this is a great business invention for anyone out there the snappy appy. And it's just basically those tarts and then tubes of like pesto and cheese and sun dried tomato. And you just squeeze it all. <laughs> Three different things in those tarts. Don't you think those would sound good? <laughs> Kenji, not bad and really easy. <laughs> you can go on air. Don't be shy. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> and you can even melt them in the oven. Anyway, like put like a anyway, but anyway, nonetheless, uh, I digress because I'm way better at sex anyway <laughs> than I am at cooking. Um, and then the gift, you have to get the gift. And the, my friend in particular, who the birthday party was for last night, is so spoiled. And she's, you know, just an awful person. <laughs> And the card I got for her was, you know, I'm glad we're friends and not pirates because if we were pirates, 
we would be on the high seas together and you would be tormenting everybody and then you would steal their jewelry. And that pretty much defined her. So um, and she's also, you know, what are you going to get me? Go to Tiffany's and get it. Uh, anyhow, so um, I'm sure she was very disappointed with what I got her. But, you know, the whole night was like three or four hundred dollars. But I went and uh, ran into at the party and uh, another great friend of mine. And I'm going to call him Duncan because that's his real name. <laughs> Full exposure, Duncan. Anyway, he uh, was re- remembering a gift that I had given him, and he kept saying, "I don't, re- I don't know why you gave this gift to me. I'd like to get something unusual." And I had given him a a couple years ago. He called it a yellow helicopter, and I called it a golden chopper. Anyway, and he said that uh, he didn't know how to use it. He didn't know why I gave it to him. Duncan is in the aviation industry. Hello. And I'm in the sex industry. So I gave him a a helicopter toy. Anyway, it made perfect sense to me. And he said he couldn't use it. He didn't know how it worked. Anyways, completely lame. And he he thought he was going to take an eye out, but um, he gave it to, so he gave it to some kid. I'm like, oh, that's great. You know, take a kid's eye out instead of your own. Um, But anyway, Two years later, he's still talking about the gift. So I thought that was a, a memorable gift. When I was looking for my gift for my other friend, whose actual birthday it was, I, you know, I was in a rush again, and it's my fault for not being prepared. I could have bought her something in Winnipeg, but um, anyway, I didn't. So, or I could have gone to Tiffany's. <laughs> I didn't do that either. And so I come upon these pajamas, and so I said, "Oh, these are what? Are, what are these?" And they said, "Those are pajamas." And I said, "Oh, it's kind of a pretty color." And she said, "Yeah, they're for people who sweat." I'm like, "People who sweat? Like, why would I give someone pajamas?" For, you know, oh, here are some pajamas for you because you sweat. Like, how do I even know she sweats anyway? Um, but apparently, they are for perimenopausal women who are sweating. Um, at night. So that that gift was out. Even if you are a perimenopausal woman or a menopausal woman who's sweating, you're not going to want to have sweat pajamas that wick away. <laughs> not sexy at all. And I, they're expecting something, you know, powerful and battery operated for me. Anyway, so that was out. And then there was something, oh yeah, that was smart pants, smart, smarty pants. And that was like to wick away odor and all this stuff. I'm like, are you kidding me? Anyway, <laughs> Can't get that either. Um, I ended up getting her some clothing. Anyway, she's not going to like it. She'll be complaining about it forever. But it also, um, as I was shopping, of course, I could always find something for me, and I did. I found those little... Um, they're little decorator things that you put on the back of pumps. Anyway, like little bejeweled things. And, um, and other people whose birthday it isn't. And so I saw these... Um, the... Uh, something for the future for guys because I you know it's equal opportunity here and so if you need a present quickly something you might want to buy is called the package have you the package underwear do you know about the package underwear Kenji uh no No. I don't think I need it You do need I'm it. Joking. I'm joking. <laughs> Let me tell you, you do. Anyway, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Anyhow, um, so the package because uh, it's not easy, and you've got to have this list. And don't forget that I actually have a gift uh, box at home, and um, it has presents for people. But of course, I forgot about that. Um, but the the package is, um, you know, it helps a man place his package, and it's really the perfect gift for a man. Um, And so this really tickled my fancy, I have to say. It 
puts everything in the right spot, making a man look more dashing and debonair than ever. I did a little poll and uh, at the party last night. <laughs> Needless to say, the conversation always goes to sex when I'm there. But this has the potential, this package underwear has the potential to increase sexual self-esteem for men, which they didn't really think about. Um, they, you know, they, it is women at the party were saying that if you wear my package underwear, then women will want you or more likely to want you. You know, it's generally women who dress up in the bedroom to spark the romance. But, you know, really, there's not that much for men. But apparently, this is something for men. So um, anyway, my package, not my package, but the package, my package underwear makes you look like the guy you've been telling everyone you are. Anyway, it's very helpful. Uh, so nonetheless, that's my little rant on birth, the stress around birthday parties and finding gifts. Anyway, I, I, uh, it was a lot of fun. Happy birthday to my dear friend, Mayor. This week I had the great opportunity not only to travel to the fine city of Winnipeg, a city that does need a little lovin' and warmin' up, but also to be a guest on the Nighthawk at CJOB, the sister station to CKNW. Jeff Curry and I talked about our sex lives. No, not ours. And in fact, I told him if I talked about mine in Winnipeg, Vancouver would never forgive me. Of course, I'm loyal to all of you. Anyway, he said, then you'd be hard up for entertainment. I said, speak for yourself, my friend. Nonetheless, I got away from myself giving instruction on how to have affairs and keep it clandestine. You'll hear about that when I come back. That along with medical marijuana, orgasms, and fetishes. When I return, I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. What? What? Welcome back. Hey, that's another great song by The Searchers. Uh, Well, you may or may not be aware that researchers and pharma alike have been looking for uh, the panacea or something to increase sexual desire in women for a long time now. For men, there are 26 medications approved by the FDA for their sexual dysfunction. In women, there are zero until now in a very small corner of the United States of America, in California, where everything starts first. Women and their partners in general, marijuana lovers, are in luck because Foria has been developed. It's a lubricant designed to delight females of all kind. It is a marijuana, a medical marijuana lubricant that gives women a, get this, 15-minute climax or 15-minute orgasm. Hello. Uh, Women's orgasms generally last around 25 seconds and for men around 15 seconds. So this is rocket science, no pun intended. Uh, I'm not actually sure I believe it (laughs) or I buy it or I would buy it, but um, it's the first personal lubricant with marijuana designed for female pleasure to achieve natural euphoric pleasure. It comes in like a perfume type of bottle, and um, its cost is under $100. But it's only, at the moment, it's only available for people who have a medical marijuana prescription and uh, in this small area of California. So I imagine other companies will will come out with something like this, um, but I'm not sure. I mean, generally we want to 
underpromise and overdeliver, but this is a big promise to have a 15-minute orgasm. And it gives Sleeping Beauty a whole new career, I might add. Um, as you know, orgasm is, uh, is very essential for health, and it helps with pain and sleep and release of endorphins. Uh, sex is good for you, and that's what I'm trying to promote here on the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Um, as I mentioned, I traveled to Winnipeg, and the only travel troubles I had was that the um, uh, when I went to the airport, I had my hot pink suitcase full of sex toys, and of course the security officer had to go through it all, and there's a lot of people standing around. Anyway, it was a little bit embarrassing, but nonetheless, they did leave, let me through because I was uh, not only going to speak about sexuality and chronic illness, but I was also a guest on the Nighthawk at CJOB, the sister station to CKNW. Jeff Courier is the host, and um, we talked about our sex lives. Well, not exactly, but anyway, um, I did get a little bit away from myself, kind of giving instruction on how to have a clandestine affair, and here's how that went. Does somebody always find out? (laughs) I don't know if always. (laughs) No, I had a few patients who uh, told me, like I had a trend of patients who were telling me they were teachers, they had children, they'd had an affair. And none of those um, marriages had broken up and none of their spouses had found out. You have to be very smart, though, and, and savvy and very, very careful in order to do that. There are restaurants where there are mistress tables. So there's lots of ways that you can. <laughs> uh, <laughs> How in the world am I living in? I don't know about this. <laughs> well, this is Vancouver, okay? I don't know, but I'm sure Winni- your fine city of Winnipeg has mistress a restaurant tables. that has a mistress table. Yes, those exist. And so there are many so they're ways. So like tucked away in the back corner where nobody Tucked away see in the back corner, curtains around it, nobody sees, everybody understands, nobody will bother you, and it's high confidentiality. Also, you know, paying at hotels. Hotels with cash is uh, is helpful. Um, you know, getting to know the staff at the hotels as well. This is not an instruction no. manual, by the way. <laughs> How to have an affair. <laughs> We're not, we're not advocating this, right? No, no. This is just what my I've learned through my yeah. clinical practice. Uh, I, I, come back and talk because we talked about the whole married thing. But but for single people, there are many pit, potential pitfalls as well. We'll come back and talk a little bit more to Maureen McGrath about that. This is the Nighthawk on 680 CJOB. Anyway, uh, Jeff and I had great fun uh, talking for an hour um, on everything related to sex. As you can see, sex reaches far and wide. Um, but that, that is true about uh, mistress tables here in the city. Of course, you can email me, sextalk at cknw.com, uh, if you'd like to know in confidence, and if I trust you, uh, where those mistress uh, tables are. Uh, and some other secrets or tips. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> no, I will tell you the mistress table if I must. Because there's certain times that, that an affair is uh, okay or or accepted or whatever. Anyway, you know, I judge nobody. Um, but I do try and help. <laughs> and anyway, I'm sure a lot of people would not be happy with me right now. Especially if you've gone through the pain of your partner of ever having had uh, an affair, and that can be so heartbreaking. And and it, as as Sarah Levine and I of Alliance Lex Corp, the lawyer, was talking earlier, trust is really the foundation of any relationship. Um, oftentimes, though, people have an affair because they have a sexual fetish or an erotic fetish. And that's the sexual arousal that a person receives from a physical object or from a specific situation um, or a particular thought, for example. 
But so the object or the situation of interest is called the fetish. And oftentimes the partner, the one, the person with the fetish may not disclose that they have this fetish prior to a marriage, for example. And then you find yourself, you think you've landed the, the greatest guy on earth. And then you find out he's got a diaper fetish or he has a, one of the most common is a, a shoe fetish, which is n- unnerving for me since I used to be a shoe model anyway years ago it was one of the best jobs I ever had um, but also uh, a foot fetish or some of the other more uh, bizarre fetishes I and, and that's a judgmental world I word I don't mean to use that but unusual fetish like arousal to the sun's rays or arousal to statues or arousal to a person of extreme stature either giant or a dwarf, or arousal to oneself as an amputee, or or arousal to oneself for men in the form of a woman. So there are many different ways and fetishes that people have, and this can be a big secret for, for people, and it can be a big shame for people, and it can certainly impact somebody's relationship. So somebody may actually seek to have an affair, and I've certainly seen patients like this who have sought to have an affair and and I think they're they may be actually fishing quite a bit on LinkedIn because uh, you know they're looking for any one of a number of women that will in, indulge them in their fetish and it's not to say that that there's anything wrong with somebody that has a fetish uh, spanking can be a fetish and that's a very common thing but when it starts to impact somebody's life then it can be a problem if it starts to impact the relationship or if it starts to impact your job for example or if you're taking on these risks that that really can where you can be caught um and you can risk your uh, marriage or you can risk your relationship or you can risk your um job and and say you do actually end up having the affair with somebody and that person is willing to indulge your fetish whatever that may be whether it be shoes or bed sheets or silk or neckties or or whatever and then it's found out um you may have that person may come back say you jilt that person who's indulged your fetish that person may come back and wreak havoc on your life so again trust is really important and also living um, to your true, uh, you're, you know, living in honesty with your sexuality and what arouses you and what turns you on and, and not having shame about it. And, and privacy is really important, especially when we are talking about uh, fetishes and, and affairs and, and all of those kinds of things. And, you know, we really need to remain healthy around all of this that gets us aroused and that allows for the most satisfying sexual experience that is that is healthy and con- consensual and that doesn't hurt anybody and that doesn't harm anybody and and also keeps yourself um you know at, at the forefront um, of what your sexual needs are and, and accepting of yourself in that way. Anyway, when I come back, uh, I'm going to be talking about where I'm traveling in the next little while. I'm Maureen McGrath. You've been listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. to say to you Girl, we couldn't get much higher Come on, baby, light my fire Come on, 
Welcome back. I'm Maureen McGrath. You've been listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Uh, you know, with all of the Gian Gameshi uh, situation uh, that's occurred this week, I, you may or may not know um, that I've had an experience with sexual harassment in the workplace. And I did speak with John McComb on the air this week. You can go to our audio vault and listen to that interview. Um, I was somebody who did speak up in the way that I could. I filed a complaint with the Human Rights Tribunal and retained the services of a lawyer. I We settled out of court. I didn't know that what had happened to me was criminal behavior. And I'm sorry I didn't know that because the guilt that I live with is the fact that I have, I am, have been silenced by that agreement. I cannot tell you who the bully is, the company, the industry, or anything like that. And I know other women... Uh, had before me had been abused and sexually harassed and and uh, in the workplace and many women since I left that company uh, have been abused as well so I live with that guilt and that is why I work uh, to raise awareness and end violence against women and men because I know it happens to men as well uh, so women do get very ill when they um, are sexually harassed or, or raped or tra- sexually traumatized, as, as has happened to uh, a number of women across this country, in this city and, and uh, across the country, and to all the women who've, who've spoken up, um, and I, all the women who ha- it has happened to, um, you know, my heart goes out to you, and um, I really honor uh, what you've been, like, how, you're, you've, how courageous you've been. And um, and it's just terrible because I have a small understanding of what uh, you have been through. So we need to stand up for women. We need to support women. A lot of people did not support me. They cho- chose money over standing up for what was right in the workplace. Um, but anyway, that's got to end. And I'm hoping that all that's gone on with uh, this situation will will work to make a paradigm shift here in Canada and the world. Anyway, I will be speaking about the truth about marriage, work, and sex. That is uh, for the Steveston Moms Network, and that's on Wednesday, November 5th. I think there's some tickets still available, 7 to 9.30 p.m. It's in Richmond. Also, I'll be next... Saturday, I'll be at the Toronto National Women's Show. That's November 8th at 2 p.m. on the main stage with Dr. Marla Shapiro talking about vaginal atrophy, the menopausal condition that does not get better, unlike hot flashes and night sweats, which will be treated by pajamas, and is associated with vaginal dryness and painful sex and may lead to intimacy problems. November 22nd, I'm out in Cloverdale at the Cloverdale. I'll be bringing my horse out at the Cloverdale Pharmacy. Ladies' night. Tickets are $20. Proceeds will go to Ending Violence Association. BC, Eva BC, an organization that I work very closely with, and uh, Tracy Porteous is an amazing woman who leads that organization. If, in fact, if you would like to make a donation to Eva BC, that would be amazing. So feel free to do so. Follow me on Twitter at back the number two, the bedroom. Do not put your rod into the waters of LinkedIn for me. However, I am on there as a business professional. My website, www.backtothebedroom.ca. Until next week, have a sexually healthy week. And guys, good luck growing your mustaches. Hope you all look as handsome as ever. I'm Maureen McGrath, and you have been listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show.